First Peter chapter number four. And uh, we do have four children. My wife and I went to start a church. Uh, we actually had determined to start a church before we even knew that we were pregnant uh, the first time with our son. And so he was born um, June 9th of 2009. And we started in September of 2009, September the 13th of 2009. So he was three months old. And so our church is the only church he's ever really known. And then we, we added another little girl, Sydney. She's four. And then Gavin is 17 months. And then Avery is five weeks old yesterday. And so we are, we are um, trying to grow our church. Amen. And so don't ever, don't ever laugh at preachers that have a lot of kids. They're just trying to break records. Amen. And so, amen. First Peter chapter 4. Let's stand please for the reading of God's Word. Sometimes I've laughed at this. We stand at the start for the reading of God's Word, and then I read a whole bunch of God's Word to you while you're sitting down later. And uh, sometimes I laugh at that. But what this does is it kind of brings us to a focus on this is God's Word. It's time for us to get down to business and focused in on what God has to say to us. Preaching is not a man's opinion. Preaching is the Word of God being relayed and brought to make sense to the people and make application in your life. And so I believe that preaching is preaching the Word. I don't have a lot of good, you know, outlines and fantastic stories. I, I, I just know that the Bible is enough for us. And so, I, you know, you're probably not going to be wowed by my literary ability. You're not going to be wowed by, wow, that story just had, he had me on the edge of my seat. Probably not. Uh, but I will point you to the, to the Word of God, and I hope that you'll learn something from God today that will make a difference in our lives. I did preach this to our people several months ago as I was preaching through the book of First Peter. And so uh, God's been good to us to be able to give us the Word of God so that we can learn from it and grow. First Peter chapter number 4 and verse number 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift... Even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want you to notice there in verse number 8, and above all things. Above all things. There's several times in Scripture where we see the word all things. There's times in Scripture where we see that things are supposed to be above or or placed above others. I don't know much about this church. I just met all of you for the first time. But I do know this. In churches that accomplish anything for the cause of Christ, there is a love, a compassion, a dedication to one another. And so above all things, the Bible says, have fervent charity among yourselves. So I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. Father, we do love you. We thank you for your word. And how it shows us that you love us. Lord, we would not know to love you if we had not known of your love to us. And so we're thankful for Jesus and the sacrifice that he is for us, that he was for our sins. Thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for salvation sanctification, the uh, security that we have in Christ. Please help us tonight to learn from Your Word something that will be a benefit and a blessing to us. 
Lord, please help us not to walk out the same way that we walked in. Please help us to determine right now that whatever you speak to us about, we will make a decision to follow you. That we will not yield ourselves to the flesh, but we will yield ourselves to the Spirit. Please speak to every heart. Make a difference by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The most glorifying thing that we can do as Christians is to bring honor to God by our love. Fervent charity is commanded above all things. I don't think we would have conflict in churches if everyone would follow this command. There would never be a a dissension. You know, one of these days you're going to have to replace the carpet. There's going to be the blue people and the red people. Or the orange people. I just love that burnt orange color. We've got to put it everywhere. And so, there's going to be people that are going to have disagreements. There's people that have disagreements about what color the shingles should be on the roof. Do you guys have to replace that roof? No, it was, it, was, it was new when you moved in. Praise the Lord for that. I saw that roof. I said, man, that looks brand new. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. But you wouldn't have any conflict in churches if everybody recognized, hey, it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about Pastor McMurtry. It's not about put yourself in, in your name here. It's not about me or about him. It's about him. It's not about what I can accomplish or what I can get or what I can gain out of my church. It's about what I can do to give glory and honor to God and lift Him up and make Him known. And Rock Falls and Sterling and wherever else you come from might know Jesus Christ as the focal point. Of, of your life and as their life. Their love, there would never be a dissension. Our love for each other would cover the multitude of the sins that we so plainly look for in others. Isn't it amazing how we always notice everybody else's faults rather than our own? My dad was a pastor for 26 years. Right now he's an evangelist. He travels the road and he preaches to people. And, and he said, you know, the, the biggest issue that most of us have as Christians is we often are using a magnifying glass instead of a mirror. Both of them are round. Both of them are, are small. And, and both of them are, are ways that we can look into things. And oftentimes we're using that magnifying glass and we're trying to see what's wrong with everybody else instead of looking into a mirror and finding out what's wrong with us. The Bible is, is a mirror, the mirror of God's Word. Looking into the perfect law of liberty, the Bible talks about looking into a glass and beholding our face and seeing who we really are, but then going away and forgetting what manner of man we are. Oftentimes we come to church and there's no doubt God wanted to speak to us and He, he wanted to help us and He wanted to change us and, and the message was given to the pastor by God for us. And we go, boy, brother so-and-so sure did need that tonight. Boy, I just wish he would have been there. Fervent charity. It'd be amazing if we would all recognize that we're not perfect and we give each other the benefit of the doubt. Wouldn't it be nice if when you got up and said David instead of Daniel that they didn't focus on that for the rest of the service? And you know when John the Baptist didn't know that was Jesus. Yeah, you know, I just I messed up. But sometimes we key in on those little things and we miss everything else that God has for us because we're not living charitably and giving people the benefit of the doubt. And so what if we look for opportunities to be a blessing as much as we look for opportunities to be critical? You know, I just really don't like this about them. You know why you don't like it about them? Because it's the same thing you don't like about you. And because you haven't conquered it, they haven't conquered it, that's the only thing you see in them. Because it just reminds you of you. 
It's funny how we always key in on those things that are our biggest problems, our biggest issues. Well, yeah, but I don't like this. You're describing yourself. And so fervent charity should be something that we have above all things. I think we should look for reasons to get along rather than to fight, and then our Christian lives will be full of joy. And so here are listed some ways in which we can demonstrate fervent charity in this passage of Scripture. And like I said, it's, it's, not, it's not rocket science. It's not, wow, I can't believe he, he pulled that out of the Scripture. I never saw that before. No, it's just right there. And so I'm just going to go down through this passage of Scripture and we're going to see how fervent charity can make a difference above all things as a church. Number one, look in verse 8. We should use love or charity to cover sin. We should use love or charity to cover sin. This doesn't mean we allow sin to go on. This means that we don't bring up the past. You know, I have some things in my past that I'm not proud of. But there was a day when I went to the Lord and I confessed my sin to Him and He forgave me of my sin. And whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. And I confessed it and I forsook it and I've got mercy from the Lord. But everybody else still seemingly remembers it. And it's so frustrating. Hey, you remember that time? No, please no. I tried to forget that. Thanks for bringing it up. That means we forgive it. Bury the issue. I'm not talking sweep it under the rug. I'm I'm saying sweep it up and take it out and dump it in the trash and let the dumpster be carried away by the trash truck and let it be gone. Let bygones be bygones if we should let some, some love cover the multitude of sin. Charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Not a multitude, the multitude of sins. That means all of my sins, when, when, when I went to the cross, Jesus took them all away from the past, the present, and the future. Look at that cross. The, the present, the past, the future. All of it is covered, it's gone. And so His love has covered my sins. All the multitude of them. All the past sins. All the present sins. All the future sins. That doesn't give me the ability to continue in sin that grace may abound. But it gives me the opportunity to recognize I've got the grace of God that enables me to go forward. That I can do some things for the cause of Christ. That my past doesn't have to hold me back. That I can do what God called me to do simply because His love makes the difference. But how many times do we as Christians hold it over somebody else's head and say, yeah, you'll never be anything. You'll never amount to anything for the cause of Christ. You know what happened yesterday? It doesn't matter. It's over. You can't change it. Forgetting those things that are behind. Reaching for those things that are before. Press toward the mark. Man, I, I hope that you had a great day yesterday. But if you did, don't dwell in the past. Don't live in the victory. Go forward for God. Because today is a new day to serve God. Don't live in the past. Use love to cover sin. God doesn't excuse sin. But He does forgive it. He cleanses it. He forgets it. Hebrews 10.17 says, In their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Those who would be like Christ will need to have short memories of the failures of others. Not trying to quote a, a recent Disney movie, but let it go. Let it go. Amen. Let it go. It doesn't matter. Sin is done. Grace is now. Let's go forward for the cause of Christ. Love does not bring up past problems. That's the devil's MO. That's not what God does. You know, I've never had the Lord bring up a a sin issue in my life from the past. But the devil tries all the time. 
I think one of the devil's greatest accomplishments is that he gets lost people to believe that they're saved and saved people to believe that they're lost. He gets people that have been forgiven to think that they are not forgiven. He gets people that haven't been forgiven to think that they are. That's the devil's greatest accomplishment. And he uses it in your life and in my life. And if, and if, if we're not careful, we'll be like the devil looking at everybody else and saying, you know what? I remember when. The Lord remembers our sins and iniquities no more. The devil's the accuser of the brethren. And he doesn't need our help. And so if we're going to be a blessing and a help to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to use charity to push past the sins of others, to forgive, to forget, to encourage each other to go on in the Lord. The second thing that I see in this passage of Scripture that, that demonstrates to us how fervent charity should be something that we can have above all things among ourselves is that we should use hospitality one to another without grudging. Look at verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Number two, be hospitable and want to be a blessing. Be hospitable. Be hospitable. Oh, thank you. You're a blessing. Amen. That's cold too. Be hospitable. One of the best things that we can show love is to spend time with people. What was Jesus known as? The friend of what? Sinners. The friend of sinners. That was a slang, that was a derogatory term toward the Lord. This man eats with sinners. He's a friend to them. But we sing it as a great term. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Why? Because we are sinners. And we recognize our sin. And we recognize that we need somebody to love us and care for us. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners because he spent time with those who other religious people just turned their noses up to. You know, if you go after the people that nobody else will love, God will send you the, the people that everybody else wants. You know, some of these neighborhoods in Rock Falls, they're not, they're not places you want to spend tonight. They aren't. But you know what? Someday you might just ought to go over there and demonstrate some love towards some people and say, you know what? Jesus loves you and I do too. And my wife's a bus kid. Was a bus kid. Is a bus kid. Once a bus kid, always a bus kid. <laughs> My wife is a bus kid. Her mom raised her and her three siblings by herself because her dad left when she was two years old. She had bus workers reach out to her when she was like four years old. She started going on a bus, and she was hit and miss, hit and miss. And they 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 moved like every year when their lease was up, they'd move someplace else. She and her sister were talking the other day. They went to thirteen different schools growing up. They're always moving. But they had a family friend that, that knew the bus driver. The bus driver would say, hey, where'd the secrets has moved to? Oh, let me find I'll find out for you. Find out. And, he, and the bus, bus workers would show back up and knock on the door. Hey, Jessica, how you doing? We'd love to have you come and, and, and come to church with us. And, and so she got saved at age seven. Wow, is it that bad? I'm good, brother. I really am. <laughs> Most preachers carry, carry, carry their own... Uh, their own head wiping possibilities. My wife says, you probably should wipe your sweat sometimes. I'm fine. I just like it. I'm I'm laboring here. This is is what God called me to do. No, but uh, if it hadn't been for that church, I don't know where she'd be. We just went and visited him this this week. I was there on Wednesday night and I heard her pastor preach. and, And he's just a faithful man. I saw after the Wednesday night service, the bus workers in, the, in, in, in with the youth pastor having their bus captain meeting. 
my daughter went in and was looking for some candy. Brother Mark, who walked my wife down the aisle, by the way, her youth pastor walked her down the aisle to me at our wedding, said, hey, sweetie, come on in here. Come and get whatever candy you want. I was like, man, you know, she doesn't need that. But, you know, a lot of people in that church remember when my wife was that old. And they were hospitable to her. And they loved her. And they've been there now for, you know, going on 30 years. And they still love people. And they still make a difference. And that's why God will still continue to use that church. We ought to be hospitable and want to be a blessing. When's the last time that you determined to invite someone, not just to church, but to your home for a meal? I think sometimes we are always looking to make a, a spiritual difference in the life of somebody. And that's, that's good. We should. But maybe the way to somebody's heart isn't through the church door. Maybe it's through their stomach. We ought to be hospitable. Do we show care and compassion and affection toward others? If someone comes to a church, comes to church as a visitor, uh, sometimes I think we look to the pastor to, hey, make sure you follow up and make sure you're hospitable and make sure you let them know that we love them. No! Don't make the pastor do it. Pastor ought to go by and say, hey, how you doing? Well, you know what? It was great. After church on Sunday, brother and Mrs. So-and-so took us out to, out to lunch. We've never felt so loved before. You guys want to make a difference. Sometimes it's hospitality. One of the, one of the things that is a requirement for a preacher is given to hospitality. Your pastor should be. I'm sure that he is. He's hospitable to let me in his pulpit tonight. The point of the matter is, he's not the only one in this church that's ought to be hospitable. When's the last time that you invited a visitor to your house for a meal with your family? But, but I don't know them. They might steal from me. God can take care of that. God can take care of that. We don't know them. That's perfect. They need to see a, a Christian home. Maybe they've never been in a Christian home. Maybe they've never sat down and seen a family hold hands and pray over a meal. Maybe they've never experienced joy and peace and happiness in a home. Maybe for them it's always, Hey! Get this stinking dog out of here! Blankety blank blank. And they walk into your home and you got Christian music playing. It's clean. You got, I'm not saying it's always clean. Look, we have four kids. But she sometimes prep, you know. Hey, it's a very, very much a possibility we could have somebody over today. Let's make sure we clean up before we come home. Be hospitable. Want to be a blessing. Someone comes to church as a visitor. You should invite them to your home for a meal. You should invite them to get a coffee or an ice cream. Maybe they live in your area, your neighborhood, and you don't even know it. Maybe you left a track on their door, and the pastor's going to follow up, and he's going to find out where it was. He doesn't know who invited them. Maybe you did, but you just, well, the pastor will take care of it. The church is the body of Christ. The pastor's not even the head. Lord Jesus Christ is. I believe the pastor might just be the feet. How beautiful the feet of them to preach the gospel of peace. He's, 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 he's the feet. He's marching the church forward. But somebody's the hand. Somebody is the knee, the elbow. You know, sometimes, sometimes we need those kind of people in church. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How are you? Sometimes we need those kind of people to be hospitable. Relationships matter. That's how you make a difference in others' lives. Jesus, on his, during His Sermon on the Mount, said, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with them twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. 
You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? Don't even the, the wicked, hateful people love their friends that love them? What difference are you making as a Christian if all you do is love the people that are already here? Too many churches are just full of cliques. Somebody comes in from the outside that's never been there before. It's like, hey, you know, we're going to go to brother so-and-so's house after church. See everybody there. They don't know where brother so-and-so's house is. They don't even know who brother so-and-so is. They don't know where brother so-and-so lives. They don't know anything about it. And nobody took the time to invite them. It was really neat. We had a family that visited last week. They got invited by a lady in our church. She had met them somehow through some mutual friends. And uh, they live 50, mi- 50 minutes away from us, 55 minutes away from us, in, all the way out in Glenview, all the way out uh, north, of, north of, of the city of Chicago. And they came last week. And, and we just tried to reach out to them and just love on them a little bit. They're, they're talking about moving all the way to Florida just because they found a church that they liked that they listened to on the, on, in the Internet. All the way to Florida. He's going to quit his job and go start all the way over just so they can have a good church to go to. I'm like, man, you know, we're only 50. We can come out here for an hour. I'm just saying. I didn't say it. I just said, hey, what, 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 would, what, would, what would it take for you to just go out and try to reach a whole bunch of people in your area and just start having like some sort of a home Bible study and then just have a preacher come in and preach? Go out and reach a few people. The start of a church. What's it going to take? It's going to take somebody being hospitable. It's going to take somebody saying, I want to make a difference. I don't know how many of you might drive a ways away to get here. Maybe you drive 35, 40 minutes to get here. I'm not saying that Pastor McMurtry wants to lose your membership. But does your church need a town? Does your town need a church? Does your church need a town? Yes, your church needs a town. Does your town need a church? Maybe your church needs... I'm going to say it again. Maybe your town needs a church. He came here. Why? Because God called him here. Maybe there's somebody out there praying for your town and they don't know that you live there. And they're just going to go there someday and start knocking doors. And, and hey, they're going to need some people to be hospitable and already say, you know what, I've already got 30 or 40 people meeting together that I've led to Christ. Why don't you come in and baptize and we'll start a church right now. Why? Because you're hospitable and you try to make a difference where you are. For if you love them that love, which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. He says, you know what? Love the unlovely. Do good to those that don't love you. Be nice to those who would claim you as their enemy. You shouldn't be their enemy, but they might claim that you're their enemy. And so we ought to be hospitable and want to be a blessing. Number three. Looking in verse 10, we need to give grace just like God gave you. Look at verse, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift. What is that gift? Look down. Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has given us the gift of grace. What is grace? It is unmerited, unearned favor. It is a gift that God has given to us. If we are going to make a difference, if we're going to have above all things fervent charity so that we can help those around us, we ought to be able to give grace because God gave us grace. It's the manifold grace of God. It is, it is spread out among us. God has spread it out to all of us individually. 
He has given you a measure of grace that you needed. He, he gives us grace, daily grace. I need daily grace. All sufficient grace. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. He, he wants us to give grace like He has given us grace. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That is giving the gift of grace. Forgiveness. What do we get through the Lord? Forgiveness. When we didn't deserve it. I owed a debt. Uh, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace the whole day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. You know what? You owed a debt because of your sin. Because you could not keep the law. Because you could not rise up to the standard that God had set of perfection. And He paid that for you. You know what? Don't, don't, don't seek to make others rise up to a standard of perfection for you to accept them and love them. Just give grace. You know what? I'm not perfect. I guess you probably already figured that out. I've said a few things that I shouldn't have said backwards and all that kind of... I'm not perfect. I, I'm not going to be perfect. But I need grace. Your pastor, he needs grace. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna say some things from time to time. He's not going to notice when you got your hair cut. He's a guy. I'm just saying. He's not going to notice things that you want him to notice. But he loves you. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Give him some grace. Amen. That's free. You can pay me later. You know, love does not make people live up to our standard. It just sets the standard on the love itself. It says, you know what? I can't make somebody love me, but I can love them. Paul said that the more abundantly I love, the less I be loved. But I'll gladly spend and be spent for you. Regardless of whether you love me or not, I can love you. Regardless of whether you're going to give me grace or not, I can give grace to you. Regardless of whether you appreciate me or not, I can appreciate you. My dad used to always talk about this. He says, you know, pastors love easily. Somebody walks in that door for the very first time, you love them already. Just like that. Man, there's another person that... It's just really good when people come back to hear me preach the second time. I mean, when they come in the first time, I'm like, okay, well, we'll see if they ever come back. That family that I was talking about a little bit ago, they came back today. They drove another hour to get to us again. Second week in a row. And you know what they did? They brought their fishing pole so they can go to, to a lake that's a mile and a half from our church and go fishing. I think they were going to come back again tonight. It's amazing. You know what? It was neat to see somebody that sits down here on the front row and, and she and her husband, I married them last year and, and uh, they've only been in the church for a while and, and I baptized him prior to, prior to marrying them and, or, and it's just been really neat to see God working in their life. And you know, she, we're having a, a couple's date night uh, this, this Saturday and she turned around and said, hey, we really want you to come with us. Well, we have this thing here. Oh, we'll, we'll make sure you have babysitting. Why don't you just come with us? As a passion, yeah. Somebody else is being hospitable. It's awesome. I don't have to go out and try to catch somebody before they run out the door, you know, 30 seconds after I say amen to catch somebody. No, they're already being hospitable right there. And it's really neat to see that. Give grace, just like God gave you. 
Our love for others should speak volumes as we express grace and acceptance. Stewarding the grace that God has given to us. Using it on others. Why? Because no one's perfect, including you. I think sometimes we don't like to admit that we're not all that in a bag of chips. Brother Tommy and I spent some time on the way to Oklahoma and back a few years ago. You know, we're not all that in a bag of chips. We're just two guys that just want to accomplish something for the cause of Christ. We need grace. Because we're not perfect. We have figured out that we're not perfect. And we try to give grace to others. And all of us should find somebody to be gracious to every day. Why is grace so hard to give? Because humility is needed for grace. How long do you preach, brother? Is that clock even right? You normally done by seven? All right, I'll be done quick. Number four, how are we going to, above all things, uh, give fervent charity? Speak words that would have come out of the mouth of Christ. Look in verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Speak words that would have come out of the mouth of Christ. The Bible tells us that we have the mind of Christ. And I heard a preacher ask once, uh, would that phrase that you just said have come through the mind of Christ? Another person said, taste your words before you spit them out. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We should recognize that if we wouldn't want something to be said to us, then maybe we shouldn't say it to somebody else. Above all things, fervent charity. What does that mean? I'm looking to be a blessing. Not to be a burden. Not to be a problem. I want somebody else to be blessed because they met me today. Because they came to church. Because I was there. They didn't like the pastor's message. It stepped all over their toes. But I was sitting next to them and I said, Oh, it's so good to see you in church today. Really? Yeah. You know what? We have a good time around here. Uh, We just love one another. They just want you to invest in them. Speak something that would have come out of the mouth of Christ. I don't find him harsh. Uh, he, He told the truth. The religious people, they probably thought he was kind of harsh because he called them whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. But when he found a sinner, he didn't say a whole lot. He just showed them love. He would just demonstrate love to them. They brought a woman to him that was taken in adultery in the very act. And I always, I always want to know, well, where was the guy? You brought the woman, where was the man? If she was taken in the very act, she kind of had to be with somebody else. So they bring her to him and, and they said, Moses commanded her to be stoned. What do you say? He said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. He started writing on the ground. I don't know if he wrote, where's the man or... Why didn't you bring him? Or I don't know what he wrote. But they all pricked in their conscience from the oldest to the youngest who had to walk away because they recognized I'm not without sin either. He's without sin. Cast the first stone. Maybe, maybe instead of pointing out the things that we don't like about others, maybe we should just say things that are edifying and helpful. No corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. There are times when in the pulpit, Brother McMurtry, I've said some things I shouldn't have said. I hurt some people. In fact, I, I, I've got some people I'm thinking about right now that I went to see them and I said, why did you be coming lately? Because you got kind of mean one night. I said, man, I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just trying to t- 
take care of some, some issues. I said, well, we didn't really feel like we should have been beat up in church. That hurts me. I don't know that I could go back and do it any different. I don't know. I think, I think sometimes you just need to say the truth. But you need to speak the truth in love. If my position offends you, I can't change my position if it's based on the Word of God. But if my disposition offends you, then I need to make sure I get that taken care of. And so we ought to speak words that would have come out of the mouth of Christ. Wherefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Philippians 2, 3 through 5 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Above all things, have fervent charity. Number five, be filled with the Spirit, letting God enable your actions. How are we going to have fervent charity? How are we going to manifest that to others? Look in verse 11. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. Let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. You know, we're not supposed to do anything in the flesh. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. You know, oftentimes we want to do things that are right things. But we haven't prayed. We're not filled with the Spirit ourselves. How are we going to make a difference in the life of somebody else if we're not filled with the Spirit? But I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do. Except you didn't prepare to do everything you were supposed to do. If you're going to minister, let Him do it as of the ability which God giveth. Stop doing things in your own power. But I teach a Sunday school class. Did you pray? Did you prepare? Did you seek God's face? Did you ask God to work in hearts? You can do more than pray after you pray, but you can do nothing but pray until you've prayed. We often look for God's power to fall, but power never comes without prayer. Oftentimes we're looking for God to work, but we're doing it in our own power. No power. Because there's no prayer. Because there's no preparation for God to work. We just go out and we do it in our own ability. The Bible says, if any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. I'm not supposed to do it in my own power. Your pastor, no doubt he knows enough Bible that he could get up and preach every message if he needs to in his flesh if he wanted to. But he knows that there's no power in that. There's no way of making an eternal lasting difference without God's working. It is God that gives the increase. And so we need to be filled with the Spirit, letting God enable our actions. Um, I'm going to have to hasten. Number six, and we'll be done. Look in verse number 11 again. How are we going to have, above all things, uh, fervent charity? And what, what will it do? What will make a difference by having fervent charity? Look in verse 11. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The the way that we're going to remember to, to, to stay charitable, to love others, is that we must remember that we're here in Christ's stead and our lives are meant to glorify God. You know what your life and my life are here for? Not to make that next promotion at work. Not to do that next amazing renovation to our house or, or, or fix something up in our yard. Our lives are meant to bring honor and glory to God. That's all that matters. We saw last 
last week at football camp, the, the theme was the will of God, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. What matters in our life is what we are able to yield ourselves to God and let Him do through us so that He might be glorified in us. That's it. That's it. I think oftentimes we are so focused on the fleshly and so focused on the temporal that we forget about the spiritual and the eternal. We forget about what God could do in us if we would just yield to Him. We are unwilling to yield ourselves to God because we have to give up control of me. If God wants to do something in my life, that means I have to yield myself to God and then I can't be in control and I'm a control freak. Brother Tommy, do you like riding with your wife anywhere? You let your wife drive? You're good with that? You must not be a control freak. I like to be in control. And the rest of you guys, you just like to drive everywhere and you say, hey, you sit over there, I'm going to drive. That's me, man. I, that's me. I want to be in control of where I'm going and what I'm doing. The problem is, oftentimes we try to drive God in our relationship with Him. I want to be in control, God, of where I'm going and what I'm doing. And God says, that's not the way this works. If you're going to bring glory to me, you've got to learn you're not even the co-pilot. You're not the co-owner of your life. You're the servant. You're the passenger. You're not in control at all. I'm in control. But God, I don't like that. He says, that's the way it is. If I'm going to make a difference in your life. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Ephesians 1.12, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Jesus said that others will know that we are His disciples because we have love one for another. Above all things tonight, individually, don't, don't look around and say, well, I wonder if that person has love. Individually, in your own heart, draw a little circle around you and forget about everybody else outside of you for just a second. Do you have fervent charity? Charity that is fervent or is on fire is heat. Heat producing. It actually makes a difference. It's causing some friction. It's making a difference. Is that the focus of your life? Is your first thought toward others how you can love and serve them? Or do you think other thoughts? We should never see somebody as somebody that can love and serve us. We ought to see somebody as somebody I can love and serve. Are you a consumer at this church? Or are you a contributor at this church? I'm not saying that every job that you want to do is going to be your job to do. You might want to be the preacher. And God called him. You might want to be the song leader. And your pastor asked him. It's not about what I get to do. It's about what I get to give. How can I be of service to others? How can I demonstrate fervent charity? If I, if, I, if I have the best job or the worst job, hey, at least I have a job. I belong. I'm accepted in the Beloved. God loves me and He loves me the way I am and He's changing me and He's making a difference in me and can I help others? And that should be what it's all about. If the Bible says that something should be above all things, then maybe we should give it the place that it should have in our lives. Above all things. Have fervent charity. What else could be accomplished in this place if everyone had that focus? How can I serve others charitably? Charity is a gift of love. It is expecting nothing in return. 
is expecting that when I give, I'll probably get nothing back. When you give to a charity, now some people give to charity because they're going to get a tax write-off. I've never had that much to give. (laughs) You know, the point of the matter is, some people give to charity because they want to get something back. That's not giving to charity. Jesus said the publicans do the same. They, they, They love those who love them. But when you truly love somebody and you're charitably giving, you're giving to somebody that can do nothing for you. That's true hospitality. Hospitality isn't always giving away something just that they need, but it might be giving away something that you need that you could use, but you're willing to give it to somebody else. The shirt off your back type thing. Why should you do and have more than somebody else? Well, I worked for it. Yeah. But do we work so that we can get or do we work so we can give? I guarantee there's some people around this place. Maybe they're not here tonight, but they could use some fervent charity. I was a preacher's kid growing up. I guarantee you this. Your preacher's kids could use some fervent charity. And instead of going and telling them to their parents, catch them doing something good, telling them to their parents that way. Hey, you know what? You know what Jason did? Jason did something that was really amazing. Well, thank you. Because they probably hear, oh, this is what Jason did. He, he kicked the wall and broke something. He, he, threw, he threw a ball and knocked out the light. I'm sure they hear that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it happens. Fervent charity. How would you want to be treated? And that's how we ought to treat others above all things.